that feeling like where you slept on one side of your body for too long and it, there was that fuzzy pins and needles feeling. I just assumed that that's because I fell asleep and that's what happened. I slept on it too long or anything. I did get up and go to the toilet and I looked in the mirror on the right side of my face. I had a little bit of saliva and I thought that's weird. Like I didn't go to bed that long and I didn't think anything was wrong, but I did think something was different. I called my mum, who was in Ireland at the time, and I started to speak and I couldn't say anything. And the hysterics of her on the other side of the phone was, I didn't know what to do because I was saying some, everything in my head, but I couldn't say it out loud. And this upset I was feeling that she was so scared, but I couldn't tell her what was wrong and what happened. And she thought something terrible had happened. She had so many theories going on in her brain. The paramedics did all the tests that they know how to do. They even said they were gonna do a stroke test and everything. And I passed them because I could raise my hand up. They just didn't assume that I was had a stroke. I had an ischemic stroke, so I had aphasia and it was a blood clot in my brain. So I didn't need any surgery, it all, like it had all passed, but definitely they did a lot of tests on me when I got to the stroke unit and the doctor there was incredible and the nurses were really, were really great. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. And this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Recovery time for a stroke is different for every survivor. It can be as quick as days or it can sometimes take years to regain some of your normal functions. The important thing to remember is to keep working at your recovery. It could help you make vital progress in things like speaking, walking and other key skills. In this episode, we hear from Linda Will Lewis from London, who suffered a stroke at the age of 24. I was very fun, really free. I have also anaphylaxis, which is severe food allergies. So I've had a lot of time in hospital throughout my life, a lot of anaphylactic shocks and attacks. So I've always lived my life to the fullest and gone traveling and been just really outgoing and sociable and it was a great life. I always say that I've had a charmed life even after my stroke. It was just very typical, you know, late nights, early mornings, a lot of alcohol. I was in drama school from 19 to 21. So I wanted to be an actor but since I moved back to London after drama school, I decided not to be. Um, and I just didn't really know what I wanted to be. So I just took a few years off trying to figure it out and became a nanny. And then once I had my stroke, I still felt that aimlessness. But I went back to my job that was a nanny and stayed there for a few years as well. When I had my stroke, I was 24 and I was alone in my grandfather's house. My grandpa was in a hospice at the time. And my mum just went to our house in Ireland that day. And I remember the time before I was sitting down watching TV. I had made myself a nice dinner. I had a glass of wine. And 
all was normal. I went to bed, locked up. We had an alarm system, so I locked up the alarm. I went to bed. It was about 11 p.m. And as I was in bed, I had my stroke. I woke up feeling like where you slept on one side of your body for too long and there was that fuzzy pins and needles feeling. I just assumed that that's because I fell asleep and that's what happened. I slept on it too long or anything. I did get up and go to the toilet and I looked in the mirror on the right side of my face. I had a little bit of saliva and I thought that's weird. Like I didn't go to bed that long and I didn't think anything was wrong, but I did think something was different, but I decided to go back to bed. That was about 1130. Then the next morning I got a phone call from my cousin who was coming up later that day to see me. And I answered the call and I couldn't speak. And I knew what I was saying in my head, but I couldn't articulate the words. I still thought, oh, it's because I just woke up. So I hung up the phone and I went to the toilet again and I fainted. And I woke up on the floor and I crawled into my bed and I called my mum, who was in Ireland at the time. And I started to speak and I couldn't say anything. And the hysterics of her on the other side of the phone was, I didn't know what to do because I was saying some everything in my head, but I couldn't say it out loud. And this upset I was feeling that she was so scared, but I couldn't tell her what was wrong and what happened. And she thought something terrible had happened. She had so many theories going on in her brain that what she did though was call the ambulance from Ireland to England and then call our neighbor but ask me if I can turn off the alarm system and as I was functioning in my brain I was able to do that but I just couldn't tell her that I was able to do that so I did that and I did my alarm system and I unlocked the door as well they all came in the ambulance came in my neighbor came in and the paramedics did all the tests that they know how to do. They even said they were going to do a stroke test and everything. And I passed them because I could raise my hand up. They just didn't assume that I was had a stroke. So we went to the hospital that afternoon about 10 o'clock. We got there in the hospital and I waited a long time for anyone to see me. I waited a long time to get an MRI. And at some point they assumed that I was on drugs and they assumed that was the issue. That was the problem because the MRI scan didn't come through in time for them to make a diagnosis. So I only found out that I had an actual stroke 24 hours later and then they admitted me into the stroke unit. Linda Ware didn't need an operation for her stroke. I had an ischemic stroke, so I had aphasia and it was a blood clot in my brain. So I didn't need any surgery, like it had all passed, but definitely they did a lot of tests on me when I got to the stroke unit and the doctor there was incredible and the nurses were really, were really great. I was able to tell my mom four days later I said to her, Wendy knows. And that was all I could say. But Wendy was the neighbor and the neighbor knew that I wasn't on drugs. And so then my mom asked the neighbor what happened and she explained everything. So that was for four days, me feeling very frustrated in my brain thinking, I know what the issue is, but can't 
put it out there. Then they figured out that it wasn't drugs and it wasn't ischemic stroke. And then I started to learn again how to talk, read and write and walk. I had quite a quick recovery, quicker than the doctor has ever seen or heard of. I was able to start speaking, walking and writing in the hospital four days later. So they released me after four days. It wasn't back to normal at all, but I was able to start communicating. And so they released me from the hospital four days later and I went back to work six weeks later. So I was very fast in my recovery. I think the reason why was that my nurses for um, physiotherapy were very much goal-driven and that's who I am as well and need a goal to work towards. So they asked me, you know, what things do you want to do that you can't do right now, even in the first session? And I said, I want to go to the gym and I want to bake and cook on my own. And so we focus on that within the first week, two weeks. And I was able to go to the gym in about four weeks. And so I think having a goal gave me a really big push. And then they gave me a lot of worksheets and a lot of things to do. So while I was sitting down watching TV, resting, I was doing all of these workbooks. And I think making my mind work for me, I was able to constantly be pushing it. I was working out my mind throughout that time. So then I was able to go back to work. And I think wanting to go back to work at that time was something that pushed me as well. And then I also had an event, a festival that I wanted to go to that I had paid for already with my friend. So all of these things accumulated made me want to work hard for my recovery. And it's not to say that I have recovered fully because I think sometimes when people see me, I outwardly look very normal. I look exactly the same as I did before. But inside, like I have chronic pain on my right side. My brain sometimes gets really foggy and I sleep is so important to me. And there's a lot of internal issues that I have that people can't see. And I think because I can, I said that I recovered very quickly and a lot of people didn't even know I was gone. They assumed that I had a small stroke or nothing major. And I think that when I tell them no, that I lost big chunk of my a part of my brain it's hard for them to comprehend and so I think my recovery now four years on is actually trying to be okay with the fact that people won't really understand and that my recovery is my recovery and it will take as long as it takes so it went very fast I got a lot of things back but it's still ongoing because I feel the internal recovery is still years away. But she now believes going straight back to work was the wrong decision. I look back at it now thinking I shouldn't have done it. I was a nanny to four children at the time. One of them was one years old. So it was a really hectic job at the time. The stroke happened in August, at the beginning of August, the day of. And going back to school happens in September. So it was not a long period of time for me to take a break. And I really, really loved that family. And so I really wanted to go back to work. So I went in 
full steam. I did say, you know, because of the baby, I asked my boss if I could take a nap every time she napped, which went over really well. And so I was able to take rest throughout the day, which worked. But not a lot of people know this, but I cried pretty much every single day for the first month, sometimes twice a day. It was really exhausting, really hard. Screaming children don't work when your brain is trying to reconnect and try to heal. And I love my job and I went back to it, but I did quit after a month because I couldn't handle it. But I went back a few months later and I was better, but I had to quit because I just couldn't handle it. And I think if I went back to myself before, I would just say, just don't go back yet. Just take some more time. But I didn't understand. I really wanted to push that stroke out of my brain for the first at least two years, I pushed it out of my brain. With the pandemic, I moved on to something different. I think I was in that job for five years and the children have grown up immensely. And it was time for me to grow up and leave that part of my life because it's not what I wanted to do anyway. And so, yeah, I needed to release that part. And I have changed so much in that job. I have grown up in that job. I'm, I was 23 when I found that job and I'm 28 now. So it's a big deal that that job was meant a lot to me, but I needed to let it go. So now I am doing what I love to do when I was younger, but never thought I could do it in the future. And um, that's writing. So doing a lot of writing for blogs, doing writing for magazines, cooking, baking, things I just genuinely love to do every single day. I'm doing that now as a job and it's incredible. Um, I'm living in a place where, you know, I'm in, surrounded by trees and just actually finding something that I'm passionate about has been a really big blessing. Linda Ware faced her stroke with an inspiring level of positivity and determination and, as a result, has made an incredible recovery. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Linda Ware on the way her stroke has affected her senses. My extremities, like my hand and my feet on my right side, are always cold. Like They feel like I've got ice inside of them, um, so I can't temperature check on my right hand, which is hard because I'm right-handed so sometimes I do it in a bath and then I'll go into the bath and I'll get scolded or cooking that's hard for me I have to have socks on all the time because I feel freezing and the important role her mother played in her recovery she stayed there every single day she made all of my meals she was there for me every single step and I think having that was so powerful she talked about it when I wanted to talk about it she walked slowly with me as I was going on my daily walks. There's just, just be there for that person because there's nothing that you can do physically, but you can be there and that means the world because looking back, if I didn't have her, I wouldn't know what to do. Let's hear whether Linda Wears allergies affected the risk of her having a stroke. I run a blog talking about my allergies and a lot of the times when I mention I have a stroke, they ask whether they are tired. I don't think they are. I didn't want to do any tests the, the first two years after my stroke, but 
I did a lot of tests in the last two years and they feel like they found a diagnosis and it's to do with my lungs. So I still have to do some tests with the pandemic. I couldn't do the tests that needed to be conclusive, but so far they haven't found anything tying it to anything. It's a fluke is what they're saying. But now with a different doctor, they are thinking it could be lung related. I have asthma as well. And I did ask the doctor if it's to do with my asthma and she said no. So I think it's not to do with allergies, but as of yet, we have no true diagnosis. So I can't say for sure, but I don't think so. Although recovered physically, Linda was still has to deal with a number of invisible after effects. So I have severe chronic pain on my right side. So I have to forget about it throughout the day because it's quite painful. If I'm very tired, it's more prominent. My extremities, like my hand and my feet on my right side are always cold. Like they feel like I've got ice inside of them. Um, so I can't temperature check on my right hand, which is hard because I'm right-handed. So sometimes I do it in a bath and then I'll go into the bath and I'll get scolded or cooking. That's hard for me. I have to have socks on all the time because I feel freezing. My brain is very different than how it was. I used to be able to multitask, but now with my stroke, I can hear light. So when there's a bright light, it feels like someone's just blared music. And it's super painful. So if I'm driving at night, I can do it, but my brain hurts when I do it. So I see all that light and it feels very painful for me. A lot of people will know this if they have a stroke or if they have any other illnesses, conditions, anything that they're managing. We manage things day to day. So I have to do my management day to day in order for me to be the best that I can be. So I sleep at the right time every single day. I get the right amount of hours for me every single day. I drink my water for the right amount for me every single day. I take my pills. I take my vitamins. I make sure that everything is working like clockwork because if it doesn't, if one thing falls off for one day, the next day I will be in bed. The next day I can't function. The next day I will be exhausted and it won't work. So I have to do this stuff every day. And you forget sometimes, like I forget a lot to do these things sometimes, or I want to go out with a friend and I will go out and I'll drink a little bit too much and I will go to bed a bit later. And the next day I'm in bed all day and that's not good with work. It's not good with anything else that you have to do, anything social. So for me, it's more my non-negotiables have to be in place in order for me to function. And you will see that I'm a happy person. I'm very positive. I'm, you know, I've got all my limbs and, you know, I can use them really well. And I go to the gym all the time and I'm really productive. But that's because I put these managements in place. If they one goes off, I won't be that person. And I have to remember that because if you forget, it's a rude awakening the next day. Lindua believes you should be as open as possible about your experience. When I first had my stroke, I didn't want anything to do with it. It's embarrassment, but also I didn't want anyone to pity me. And I didn't want anyone to think that I wasn't strong anymore because I had that. And I didn't want anyone to think I couldn't do the things I was able to do. 
So, you know, my mum used to send me a lot of articles about stroke and a lot of movies and a lot of things. And I just never read them. I didn't want anything to do with it. It was done. And that's the another part of my life. And we don't need to talk about it. And now in the last few years, I have really been coming to terms with it, looking at other stroke survivors, seeing how they manage, seeing how much my recovery is vastly different to theirs and how they're still so strong and they're still talking about it. And I'm sharing my story now because I'm like, this is not just a part of me. This is me. The reason I am the way I am today is because of this. And it's the best thing that ever happened to me four years on. I can say that, but I couldn't say that, you know, a month on, a month on, I was depressed, a month on, I was angry. And I think for me, my advice would to be just be present in it. Be okay. If you're upset, if you're angry, be angry, be upset. That's okay. But know like it does get better. And knowing yourself is the best relationship that you can have because you know who you are. You know how you feel every single day. You know how your brain works. You know how to manage it. And it takes time. Like it's taken me years in order for me to understand and like who I have become because of it. And it's okay that it takes time. So, you know, it's weird at first to be alone all the time and to be a, in your brain and a part of yourself. But once you do it, it's an incredible journey that you're going to go on. And then I think as a family member, honestly, just support and to keep talking about it. Because un- unfortunately, if you recovered like me, it's an invisible thing. And I find it really hard when people just don't bring it up anymore. It took less than two months for people to stop talking about it. And yes, maybe they think it will be good that we don't speak about it. But for me, it's hard because then you can't really move on. You can't move on if you don't speak about the hardships and the recovery process. And you need somebody, you need people in your life that will listen to you when you're having a hard day and listen to you when you're having a good day. And my mom took the whole of my recovery process off of work and she stayed there every single day. She made all of my meals. She was there for me every single step. And I think having that was so powerful. She talked about it when I wanted to talk about it. She walked slowly with me as I was going on my daily walks. There's just, just be there for that person because there's nothing that you can do physically, but you can be there. And that means the world because looking back, if I didn't have her, I wouldn't know what to do. So look for support, ask for help. And just the people who are supporting, just be there. Be there when they need you. Although first finding it difficult to face life after stroke, Linda Ware's perseverance in her recovery has led to her making amazing progress. She has a dream job, doing all the things she loves, and has a podcast on personal growth and development called Sunday Epiphanies. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I went to walk up the stairs out of the pit to change a gate, and I got dizzy and fell over. I headbutted the gate and then my ex-husband had come over to help wash down the shed at that point and I asked him to sit me up but by that stage I must have already had the paralysis set in so um, I couldn't support my weight and I fell again 
and hit the same part of my head on the concrete. Please do subscribe to Stroke Stories and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know a stroke survivor and there's a story to share, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.